0: This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. We are taping this show, which is episode number 13, on Friday the 13th, in the year 2020, talk about strange coincidences. It is no coincidence, however, that we are seeing so many new subscribers to the show and its popularity has just exploded over the last couple of weeks. We know that it is all due to you, our loyal subscribers who are spreading the word about the PR podcast and making it part of your weekly listening routine. In addition to being on Apple, Spotify, Google, and more, we're also part of the Kolka Interactive Library. You can find them and all of their spectacular knowledge Including this podcast about real estate, construction, culture, technology, all online at kulkainteractive.com. And that's kulka with a K. K-U-L-K-A interactive.com. So please check them out as well and continue to send your feedback and your questions here to the PR podcast. We love hearing from you and we'll even incorporate some of those emails and comments into some future episodes, because as we always say, that's what this is about is, is a show that is useful to you that is interactive and that can send you on your way into your week with some new ideas. So we've got another terrific guest this week. So let's get right to it. David Hanshu is a New York City-based photographer, videographer, writer, and editor. He has worked for news outlets, including the New York Daily News and Newsday. He's freelanced for many, many more news outlets over the years, and he is a fixture on the streets of New York, wherever news is happening. He has been witness to the most significant news events of our time, including 9-11 and many, many more. He's also a professor at New York University. He's done that for the last 26 years, training the visual journalists of the future, and he is also a good friend. David, welcome to the show.
1: Jody, thanks so much for having me to episode 13 on Friday the 13th in 2020, What Could Go Wrong? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I knew you would appreciate that. And it's just so weird. I, I've, been, I've been joking with people all day that, you know, we've got two Friday the 13th in the, in the year 2020, and 2020 has been, um, by all measurements, a pretty horrible year for everybody, uh, all, and all joking aside. But you think we could have looked at the calendar and seen two Friday the 13th and, and seen the rest of this coming?
1: <laughs> you know, it, it's raining out. Let me go um, fly a kite. And put a key on it. See if we can be struck by lightning. Now you know what—it's—it's all good. It's all going to be fine, because um, you are the master of spinning it right, and I do okay. And
0: well, I. I... I appreciate you saying that. Um, Let's get right into what you do every day because um, I I have said many times to people that um, photographers and videographers are some of my favorite uh, news people to work with uh, on jobs because you have such a unique calling in what you do. Um, Photographers, videographers, people who report with their eyes are a special brand of journalist and reporter. Tell us how you approach your work and about the assignments that you're sent to shoot. Um, Well, I am assigned an
1: awful lot to shoot, but what's even more fun is through wonderful connections in the PR world, through uh, people who reach out with stories. I'm not sent on an awful lot of stuff. I originate an awful lot of stories, whether they're in the uh, kitchens of some of the best restaurants in the world or whether they're on the streets of new York but um the 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 tips are endless. The number of people who call and say, "Hey, um, I just found out about this so um yeah, the phone rings often with with "Can you cover this?" Uh, from editorial and commercial clients, but what I really thrive on are the um, the stories that you just fall across. That you know, people who call up, who have who have a um, a wonderful wonderful story to tell, and allow me and our readers and our viewers into their lives.
0: So, so what are some of those? Sort of paint a picture, if you will, for. Uh, for our listeners, what are some of those stories? Whether it's a tip or a thing that's going on, or you know something that you want to say, yes, I'm I'm running out to shoot that. That's interesting. What are some of those those types of stories?
1: You know, we we live in one of the most fascinating and vibrant markets in the entire world, and everybody does have a story. I think the ability to chat with strangers and have them talk with, with us is what really propels us to great storytelling. Um, whether it's the immigrant working in a gas station, pumping gas, who says my very difficult German name perfectly correctly, and um, says it with Hanshu uh, rather than Hanshu, and doesn't trip over it, and I say, I gotta ask you. How were you able to say my name so wonderfully? And he replies, "Well, I grew up in Germany, and I was an engineer when I was living there. So the 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 mixture of cultures, the mixture of people with stories, uh, all we have to do is spend the time to talk to our fellow human beings, and that's not by email, and that's not by text, and that's not by press release, but it's um, picking up a phone." or getting on a Zoom call, or cautiously meeting face to face today. Um, I, I just think we need to all learn to listen to each other and the stories will come from people's words.
0: It's such a terrific way to look at the, the job that you do every day and, and the passion really that you bring to the what you do every day. Um, my admiration for you and for other photographers and videographers is what you alluded to just now in, in what you were saying. You can't do your job from behind a desk. You have got to be out in the street. You have got to be face-to-face. In proximity with people. You've got to be where the news is happening. Um, But you've also got to make a lot of um, smart choices about sort of where you expend your energy, you know, the direction you move in, because obviously you can't be in two places at once. Um, And you've also got to do a lot of thinking about, um, in some cases, where the photo or where the image is going to be and how you are going to approach it. Could you Talk a little bit about the thought process that goes into getting the image you want to get
1: um, i don 't think it's getting the image that I want to get I think it's about getting the image that tells the truth and that 's the ability to be a fly on a wall, the ability to be an observer a quiet observer and um, you know today with 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 journalism and images constantly under a barrage of Fire as fake news, I think we need to be all that more true to ourselves and to our storytelling that um, we walk that middle line, that we don't influence um, our subjects to do something they wouldn't do, that um, every image is um, has to be honest and fair, because if one is called into question every single image by every single image maker is called into question. But going back to your very, very wonderful question here, um, the passion I think is the greatest motivation um, for great storytellers, whether they're photographers or writers, reporters, columnists, Um, the passion that's needed to, um, you're right. Photographers have to be out on the streets. We have to be getting wet. When it's raining, we have to be freezing cold. When it's snowing in seven degrees, and we need to sweat our butts off when when it's 98 degrees and 98% humidity, because you cannot do this job from an office. So if you don't have the passion to tell stories and tell the truth, then uh, listen to your parents and go to law school. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we were also talking a little bit um, when we were setting up this podcast episode um, about, um, we, we alluded to the, the Pete Souza documentary. And, and I know you have special stories about Pete. Um, but I, I had watched the, the Souza documentary and there was one image that struck me um, was when he was shooting President Obama um, uh, with, with his camera, he was making images of, of Obama. Um, there's a photo that he got uh, on the day that President Obama left office. Um, and it's that classic moment where the outgoing president climbs into Marine One, the helicopter, and sort of turns and waves. And the image that Sousa made of that moment was not looking at Obama from outside the helicopter, but, he, but from looking, looking at it, looking at Obama's perspective, looking out from inside the helicopter. And it struck me in two ways. One, it was a great image. Two, he had to have the forethought to put himself inside the helicopter first, because you can't get that shot unless you're in there. And you've got to think of that before it happens. You must have those kinds of moments where you want to get a particular, I understand exactly what you're saying about not about telling the truth and, and not manufacturing what an image looks like. But at the same time, you do have to put some th- forethought into where the, where the image is gonna be, almost like Gretzky's thing of you know, skating to where the puck's gonna be. How do you approach that?
1: Well, Peter is a good friend for many, many years and the ultimate fly on the wall. Um, he had unrestricted access to that administration. He chronicled history. He documented the day-to-day reality. And he um, was in a completely open and transparent administration that believed that they had to inform the public what their president was doing. Um, So getting to Pete's ability to be in the right place at the right time. um, I, I think most photographers I know see images before they even happen. Um, we're always seeing things, looking over our shoulder, looking high, looking low, looking from different perspectives. And again, his unlimited access, if Pete Souza wanted to be in the helicopter photographing out as the president was departing for the last time, Pete had the ability to um, to make that happen. And Working with public relations teams, I always thought that there should be some form of visual consulting that went on um, when people were setting up press events. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've come to an event where the main speaker was on a podium with the sun directly behind them, and that's almost the cardinal rule of uh, of good photography: is knowing the light and understanding the light, and we can fight most lighting situations and we could work to make a great photo almost no matter what but if your main subject is at a podium um, looking towards the crowd looking towards the gathered press and they're completely in silhouetted and completely in silhouette um, nothing good is going to come out of it.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree with you there, and and I know that you and I have talked uh, on many occasions and many events that that I have created that you have uh, graciously come to cover, um, and, and many of your colleagues have covered as well, um, and, and I always put a lot of thought into, and, and even explicitly expressed to, to photo desks and photographers and, and whoever's got the job of of capturing the image of saying where something's going to be and when it's going to be there. Um, not to tell them that's the thing you need to shoot, but just making them aware that there's an opportunity there and, and that well, they can, and they can capture that if they desire.
1: And, and that's where a great working relationship between public relations teams and, uh, and the news media, um, you know, you're a trusted source and um you know, when you call and say something's gonna happen and something's gonna happen at this point in time and at this place and it's important, um, we need to know that that's 100% factually correct. Um, So long time relationships, the the, the effort made for PR people to have relationships with um, the people who they send press releases to and our need, uh, as recipients of those releases to know that um, the words on the paper or the words on the screen are are carved in stone, not, not, um, you know, so it just, it benefits everybody to work on the relationship.
0: I, I also know that um... You, uh, talking about photographers needing to be out where the news is, out on the street. I also know that, that you travel, um, you, one of your best friends is a police scanner. <laughs> and I know that you get lots of tips, especially, uh, you have especially great relationships with the uh, New York City Fire Department. Uh, I know you are very uh, close with members of the fire department. I also know um, uh, your personal story about nine eleven, and I wanted to pivot to um, and I certainly don't want to exploit this because I know, um, I, I feel very sensitively about this topic. Um, but photographers are often asked to put themselves in harm's way, um, to get an image that we quite frankly take for granted when it, when it shows up on the front page of our newspaper or on the nightly news. Um, I have known photographers over the years, uh, I'm thinking of one in particular who actually lost his life overseas covering, he was a war photographer. Uh, you probably know him as well. Um, And so could you maybe share a little bit about what people might not appreciate about the the true challenges, the life and death challenges of photographers and videographers and what they do to capture those images and tell those stories that way?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a thin line, a very thin line between being really, really brave and really, really foolish. And I think Um, the best photojournalists have one foot on either side of the line uh, in order to go out and capture a moment. Um, Photographers have been injured, photographers have been killed um, while while covering news stories. Um, But beyond that, the the emotional scarring of day after day after day, um, you know, covering these horrific stories uh takes its toll uh, on us and then add to the equation the idea that COVID is out there running around and we want to hope that we're invisible invincible but we're we're probably not um it, it, it's quite a job and um I, I think the greatest motivation is to record history Um, I think, singularly, that's what pushes us along day after day. But the money isn't great. Nobody's a millionaire. In fact, just making a living uh, today is a challenge. Getting a fair wage for a fair day's work uh, for people who carry cameras for a living is is quite the task.
0: You are also uh, a teacher. Uh, not only in your in your day to day i mean i 'm sure you're you 're constantly uh, uh helping out uh younger photographers and videographers with what they 're doing because I know it is a true family out in the street um, uh, doing the job that you 're doing um, and and while you 're trying to get the best image you 're also looking out for each other i would imagine right um,
1: you know we 're competitors but we also have each other 's back, and that 's really, really important to know. Um, that other members of the subspecies um, are looking looking out for us
0: and so tell us a little bit about um, your your work at NYU uh, teaching uh, and instructing the visual i 'm calling them visual journalists. I just stumbled on that phrase. You tell me if i 'm wrong. the visual journalists of the future you know what are what are young people who are studying this craft coming up? Um, what are they dealing with? what are they um, what do they need to look out for and and what opportunities and challenges do they have? Do you think?
1: Um, I always start my class with why the heck are you studying journalism? Why are you taking this class and um, it, the response is often very interesting, running the whole range from the human equivalent of a puppy's tail wagging to um to to the sound that a dog makes. Uh, the the face that a dog makes when they hear a high-pitched sound, that's, you know, the head cocked slightly to the side, a wide-eyed look on their face, and no answer coming out. Um, Look, there are challenges to graduates in every single field today that they've never had to deal with before. Um, You know, as, as the parent of two recent college graduates, I'm immensely proud that both of them have found work in their chosen field, but that's the exception rather than the rule. Um, For people going into journalism today, I think they have a greater responsibility than I had starting out, understanding the cost of doing business, understanding licensing of their images being able to market and to sell themselves. Um, My greatest challenge was what kind of black and white film do I need to put in the camera today? But um, I I think anybody coming out with a degree in journalism has to be part marketer, part lawyer, part creative, part artist, and part out of their minds to, to be pursuing this as a career.
0: And we've seen um, lots of advances in technology in the last couple of years. You, you made the joke there about the black and white film and, and and my joke with my uh, photography buff, buff father-in-law whenever he uh, picks up his camera is, you know, do you have enough film? Ha ha. It's a digital camera. Um, (laughs) uh, But with, with, with all the advances in technology, you know, everybody, everybody's got a a really good camera in their pocket in the form of their, their smartphone. Um, Yet, Technology doesn't make the photo, right? Um, do you think that today's young people have an advantage having all that technology at their fingertips, or or is it actually a disadvantage, and why?
1: Um, I almost cringed, cringed and hid under my desk as you mentioned. You have a really good camera. Uh, I can't tell you how many people, you know, even when I go out on the street with one camera and one lens. I'm, Maybe I just look like I know what I'm doing and people will come up. um, You must be a really good photographer. You have a really good camera and um, alternate between wanting to cry and hit them. Um, (laughs) Yes, I have a decent camera, but my camera is just a box that I steal people's souls with. And what I have is a really, really good vision. Saying that, I started in 1993, I gave up film. I was the first full-time digital news photographer in New York City and most likely anywhere in the world. And um, the iPhone 12 that I'm looking at now has more technology on more levels at a a price of $1,100 than my $25,000 digital camera had in 1993. And what that's done is, um, you know, everybody is a visual journalist. And I can't argue with that. I, I can't argue with the idea that um, people do see things, whether they're user generated content, people standing on a street corner when a news event happens or who take complete creative control using wonderful apps, wonderful, small, lightweight um, camera phones and and create amazing, they they open up worlds to people um, via the internet. You know, I go on Instagram and I have many, many friends who are photographers, but also friends who are not photographers. And it's a pleasure when I get up at six o'clock in the morning, um, I'll shut off the alarm, I'll take a look at Instagram, and I'll see what what people posted from the Far East and from Europe while I was sleeping. And uh, looking into their, opening a door to their lives on the other side of the world is just fascinating. And um, taking a PR tactic give a shameless plug Please have a look at my Instagram, Flying Manatee, and come journey my world uh, without ever leaving your house.
0: I'm I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm also glad that you you picked up on what I was saying about the technology that the, the technology is great, but it's the person who's using it that really. Tells the story. It it has nothing to do with that box. So I I fully agree. You know
1: what I what I liken this a lot too is um, I have a car and it has an automatic transmission, and some people believe that um, a, a standard transmission gives you way more control. But for me, an automatic transmission allows me to not concentrate on shifting gears, but to concentrate on not hitting pedestrians and other vehicles. And the, uh, you know, the same thing with with autofocus and auto exposure and camera phones. Um, They they shed the burden of having to set the aperture and set the shutter speed and understand what those concepts mean. Uh, And they allow any user to spend more time concentrating on composing their photos and seeing the colors and watching the moments and capturing them. So, you know, it, it's a mixed blessing. It's, it's um, uh, camera phones, new technology has empowered way more image makers. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. But it's also made it tougher for true working journalists and commercial photographers to make a living.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do agree. Um, well, this has been a great conversation. Let's now move into our rapid fire question section. Uh, this is uh, something new that we started, Dave, in the last couple of episodes, and we, and we found it to be a, just a lot of fun. Um, we steal a page from inside the actor's studio and ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions, just simply meant to elicit uh, a simple one or two word answer, maybe a laugh or two, which I know you and I have indulged in. Uh, on a number of occasions. So yeah, let's, jump, let's jump right in here, David. Um, number one. Well, okay, rapid-
1: let, let, let me start, Jody. Yes, yes, no, I'm not sure, definitely.
0: <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> um, favorite news source.
1: I can't tell you that.
0: <laughs> See, that's a better answer. <laughs> All right, number two, Facebook. Twitter, or LinkedIn? I know what you're going to say.
1: Uh, I, I don't understand Twitter. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, Facebook. Facebook has actually been a great source for many stories. So I would say Facebook. And uh, LinkedIn, you know, I've never, ever heard of a corporate recruiter going to Lincoln, LinkedIn to um, to you know, coach a photojournalist and find them another job. So I'd say Facebook.
0: See, I, th- I thought you were going to do a head fake on me and just say Instagram because your flying, flying manatee is terrific.
1: You didn't tell me I was
0: allowed to do that. There you go. Well, there you go. See? Uh, number three, coffee or alcohol?
1: Depends what time of the day. <laughs> alcohol in the morning, coffee in the afternoon.
0: There you go. Favorite on the run food? I'm sure you know all the best places. Uh, I've been known to be at
1: dim sum places in Chinatown when they open at seven o'clock in the morning.
0: And the last rapid fire question, what do you want to be after you finish this career? Dead.
1: (laughs) I think we'll we'll all get there someday. (laughs) A financial planner asked the other day, so what age do you want to retire at? And I'm like, nobody's ever asked me that. (laughs) When your job is your hobby and you happen to get paid for it and you happen to meet the most interesting people in the world, you get to tell stories of people from the highest of the high to the lowest of the low. Uh, I'm not an athlete, but my camera has put me on the pitcher's mound at Yankee Stadium. I'm not a musician, but I've been front row center at an Eric Clapton concert. And I, I'm I'm not a dancer. God knows I am not a dancer, but I've been on stage with the Rockettes. So, it, you know, how much better can it get?
0: not much not much that's great well david this has been a terrific conversation really appreciate you sharing some of these stories please let people know how they can find you online
1: uh, very easy com and that's h-a-n-d-s-c-h-u-h or flying manatee on instagram
0: All right. Well, thanks again, David. And thanks to everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The PR Podcast, and send us a question or a comment. And we'll see you next time on The PR Podcast.